you got to think about, you know, what's what's marketable on a commercial. If you're great with firearms, it doesn't come up commercially, you know, so it's not going to help you. But if you, you know, have a certain thing like you're bilingual, that's huge. Um, if you have a, you know, very specific look, like maybe you're quirky or maybe you have something that's just a little different about you. I always recommend figuring out what that is, you know, be yourself, do something that kind of sets you apart. Like, you know, if you have a great beard, do commercials with a great beard. This is LA's Good For You Tencel Town, a podcast about the art, science and business of filmmaking. Each week we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. Acting in commercials can be very lucrative for actors. How do you navigate the world of commercials? And more importantly, who are the people who can help you book them? This week, we're talking to Blake Viglione, a commercial agent at Aqua Talent, who has the answers. So Blake, you've been working as a commercial acting agent for four years now. How does one become a commercial agent? Are there like courses, internships? So the biggest thing is kind of just um, jumping into it. What I recommend is how I found Aqua, uh, where I work, and also how we find now current assistance is uh, entertainmentcareers.net. It's kind of like a LinkedIn or a, you know, place where people can submit on any jobs, postings for any entertainment jobs, but it's just specifically for this industry. Um, and then basically from there, it's a lot like any other representation job or production you have to start as an assistant and kind of put in your time. You can't really jump straight to an agent as a lot of people want to do. Um, and that's, that's how I got into it. I started as an assistant after a few internships and then um, worked my way up. And now I've been an agent for about four years. When you were a kid, did you think that you'd be doing this or did you have another career in mind? So I didn't even know that this was an option until I moved to California. Um, so no, this is not my end goal, but I'm glad that it worked out. Excellent. When you started working at Aqua, was this a conscious decision to specialize in commercials rather than becoming a theatrical agent or did you just fall into it? So I fell into it completely. So I came out here actually after college. I went through uh, David Letterman's telecommunication uh, school in at Ball State in Indiana where I'm from. And then I came out here for an internship because I had a family member at Lionsgate, uh, did the production side. Wasn't really my thing. I'm not too into reading that many scripts. Um, so then I had a buddy who worked in representation and I figured I'd give it a shot because I really like people. I really like selling talent and stuff like that. So landed at Aqua. It just happened to be that there was a spot open in the commercial department rather than theatrical. Um, so I was just kind of trained like that and it ended up working out. And I'm glad that I ended up in that department rather than the theatrical side. So what does the training entail? How, how are you being trained as a as an agent? Well, first you just get thrown in and it's busy at every agency, especially if you're at a smaller agency. It's hundreds of calls a day, hundreds of emails a day. Um, when you're not doing that, you're basically serving as the liaison between your boss and the casting directors or your boss and the, you know, the clients um, all the way down to running to get coffee. You know, so it's just it's a very humbling kind of experience where you have to be quick. You have to multitask. It's and you just learn due to absorption, you know, just being around that all the time, hearing how your boss or whoever talks on the phone. It's a very you know, weird skill. Like in Indiana, there's not really a, you don't have assistance to answer the door, you know, and be like, Aqua Talent, this is Blake. 
And then it's just so it's kind of a weird thing to have that that phone etiquette and everything like that. And it just kind of grows just by being around it for so long. Let's just talk about what a commercial agent actually does, Um, who you work with. What does your typical day look like? Um, Let's just talk about like I'm a four year old and I have no idea. Okay, so my job basically is let's say Pepsi is looking for, um, you know, a family. They'll reach out to an ad agency. The ad agency will reach out to the casting directors. From there, the casting directors, they'll send out a breakdown to all the agents in L.A., basically saying we need a mother, 35 to 50, a father, a kid, you know, whatever the case they need. And then we submit our clients on each role. Our goal is obviously to get in as many as we can of our clients rather than another agency's clients Um, and then also the right people. And then once that happens, our main job is to get the auditions. From there, it's up to the actor to kind of get in the door and show that they're a good actor. Um, And then, you know, there's other things that we do. Obviously, we negotiate deals. We read the contracts. We make sure that everything is protected on their side. Um, But that's basically the gist of it, um, if I were to sum it up quickly. Um, Do you find that you work with the same agencies and casting directors a lot, or does it tend to vary? Do you build relationships with specific brands if you've delivered and you continue delivering over and over again for them? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, how L.A. works in the commercial world is there's probably 15 to 20 major casting offices that control everything. And depending on when they're working, you know, some of them are busier in the summer. Some of them are just they take six months off. It's whatever the case. But there's a very established core group already. So we have different relationships with every one of them. Um, Some of them, you know, the owner, Lawrence, has known since he was, you know, right out of the mailroom. Other ones, you know, they're they're newer and they're up up and coming, just like agencies. Uh, Branding on that side, we don't really work directly too much. Um, every once in a while, we'll get a call or we'll talk to them directly if our client, you know, happens to know a director or someone in the ad agency. But for the most part, our relationships are with the same casting directors. Okay, let's talk about money. Okay. How do commercials agents make money? Um, do you have to represent a certain number of actors to make a living? How does it actually work? So everything that our clients make, we take 10% of. Legally, that's what we're... Um, able to take by the state of California for any on camera, it's 10%. Any print or stills that's non-moving material is 20%. So the thing with agencies is we work for free until our clients book. If our clients don't book, we don't get any money. So that's how that works. Um, So that's why it's so important to have clients that work. Um, We don't, you don't necessarily need a certain amount of clients, but it is important that Whenever they're doing that, you we get the 10% because if we can't pay rent, then we're out of business. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of commercials that are out there? Non-union, union, when they go nationwide, global, and how does this actually affect how much an actor gets paid? Because there's just so, so many details around it and we'd like to understand yeah. it. Yeah, so every job's different. Um, first, we can start with the non-union. That's basically any commercial that's not um, through SAG. And those kind of work as like a buyout. The session fees you can find anywhere from a hundred to a thousand for just the workday, uh, and then usually it works as like a buyout. So they'll say, "Here's another thousand for a year of usage on broadcast." Um, 
And then also, you know, there's different terms and how long they can use it, if they can renew it, stuff like that. That's all comes down on the contract. Uh, and then from there, there's also the union work. And that's usually where the good money is. That's what everyone wants, um, which makes it hard. But that's kind of a different world where it's you get the session fee, which the SAG scale is 671.69, which is a very obscure number. And then uh, every time it airs on broadcast, you get paid which is also a very weird scale. It's like the first time is $722. The second time is like $166 and it goes down from there. It's very strange, but they're trying to iron that out right now with the new contract. Um, so then basically everything, every time it airs, you'll get paid. So if you see it a whole bunch of times on TV, every time it airs, you'll get money in residuals. Okay, so those magical residuals. Yes. Um, how do they work and more like, What's like the biggest one that you have seen in your career that somebody's been paid? Yeah, so uh, they work in, like I said, every time that it airs, you get paid. Uh, the biggest one I've ever seen, probably on one check, because they usually pay them out every one or two weeks because they have to pay them within 15 business days. The biggest I've ever seen is about 35000 on one check. But throughout the lifetime of, you know, an entire commercial, I've seen over four hundred, five hundred thousand 500000 off of just one spot, so... So this is just one spot and potentially just one to two days of work. Yes. So the biggest, the most important is how long is it going to air? The longer it airs, if it's union, that is. The longer it airs, the more you're getting paid. So, And then usually how it works is the commercial, it airs for 21 months. So about two years, that's the life cycle of it. From there, they have to renegotiate. And that's when the real money comes in because us as agents, we negotiate a new rate, which is usually, you know, upwards of 10,000 every three, 13 weeks. Are there any benefits representing commercial um, actors versus theatrical actors? I know you said that you, you sort of fell into it. Yeah. But... Uh, I prefer commercials just because they're so quick. Like, I understand the whole the theatrical side and it's, you know, it's great and it's a lot more rewarding in terms of you build up for, you know, a certain amount of time and then you get that pilot. But when you don't get the pilot or you don't get the series, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Whereas it's similar on the commercial side, but if you don't get Pepsi, Coca-Cola has a commercial tomorrow, you know? So it's just a lot more quicker. It's a lot more satisfying in the short term. And it's also just, it's faster work, you know? So, because commercials, they only shoot one day for the most part. So that's why I like it. Because you kind of finish the job and wipe your hands. On to the next. Love it. Um, what's the most memorable commercial that your actor booked and why? Um, there's a lot of commercials that have been out there from like a lady riding a unicorn um, to, you know, uh, just very funny commercials. The, probably the most memorable is we had a guy about five years ago, six years ago. He booked a State Farm commercial. I don't know if you remember when they're like, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And then she goes... Hi, Mike. How much money did I save on my double discount double check? And uh, it was, uh, it, she wanted to buy a purse. And he's like, 150. And she goes, great. And then the other girl goes, like, or I don't have State Farm insurance, but find me some money. And then an older gentleman who's fishing pops out of nowhere and starts, you know, dropping a dollar bill. She's like, oh, you got to be quicker than that. And then she tries to grab it. And he's like, you know, so that was probably the most memorable just because it lasted like, it ran for like six years. Um, and then also... It was just quoted everywhere. But the good thing about kind of pointing out that commercial, what's always stuck with me, is it's a good way to explain to clients, 
what we need from them. Like, for example, the older gentleman, he was our client. And the breakdown we saw, you would think, oh, you know, just 50 to 70-year-old man. But they needed a real fisherman, who, and which at the end of the day, I could have done it. You know, it's he's just holding a dollar bill right there. But if you, like, actually look at the breakdown, they don't want 5,000 men. They want 100 men who can actually fish because it narrows down their search. So it just makes it easier for them to kind of weed out the thousands of actors that are out there. Can anyone act in commercials? I mean, in TV series, there are always more roles for certain types of um, actors. Mostly it's just like young, white, male. Um, what about the commercial world? Uh, so the thing with commercials, there's always there's roles for everyone. The, the trend that it's coming right now, it is becoming more diverse, which is incredible. Uh, and it makes it easier kind of for, you know, diverse actors to get in there. But there are roles for everyone. It's just the difference is if you are a male, tw white, 25 to 35, there's 15,000 white, 25 to 35 males doing commercials. So it's just tougher so to at least get to the top where you're getting called in a lot for auditions, you're booking stuff like that. So yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely going in that direction where it's more diverse. So there's role, there's roles out there for everyone. You should, would not believe the breakdowns we get sometimes. It's like man who can juggle with one arm, four different balls. Like it's just weird stuff like that. So the good thing is, you know, it's more specific now and you can kind of figure out what pertains to you, what your special skills are and stuff like that. So would you say that um, for somebody who wants to break into commercial acting, having these unique skill sets would be a massive advantage? Uh, yes, to an extent. You got to think about, you know, what's what's marketable on a commercial. If you're great with firearms, it doesn't come up commercially, you know, so it's not going to help you. But if you, you know, have a certain thing like you're bilingual, that's huge. Um, if you have a you know very specific look, like maybe you're quirky or maybe you have something that's just a little different about you, I always recommend figuring out what that is. You know, be yourself. Do something that kind of sets you apart. Like uh, you know, if you have a great beard, do commercials with a great beard. If you don't, that's fine. Don't worry about it. There's different roles for you out there too. Is a um, commercial voiceover um, acting a separate discipline? Like how does how does one book? A a voiceover gig that side of the world we do a little voiceover um it's a little more of a niche side of it it's kind of like there's a lot of direct bookings on that side so they don't go at, through agencies as much or if they do they already have kind of like an agency that's specialized that for a long time so i recommend if you want to do voiceover first of all get together a good reel you can google and find out how to make a good reel where to record it everything like that and then do your research on who actually specializes in voiceover it's never really been our specialty, but there are good agencies out there. What about print? Um, are people for uh, commercials, I mean, more like the, you know, ads, I, I would say, um, are actors chosen solely on their looks for print? How does it work? Or do you have to have a personality? Uh, more so your looks than commercial, for sure. Uh, again, that's a little more niche side of it. A lot of times they go through modeling agencies specifically. It's always good to have... Um, Kind of one in an agency who specializes in print and then a different or if that agency is also good at commercial, then it's fine. But kind of some agencies are known specifically commercials. Some are specifically known for um, print. So what the ad agencies will do, they'll just call up a certain print model agency and be like, hey, who do you have? Rather than send it out in L.A. and do the whole casting process. 
So, but yeah, it is a lot more on looks than commercials are. So from your experience, you've been doing this now for four years. What types of actors, what, what qualities do these actors have that succeed in getting commercial work? The biggest thing is they need to show up to their auditions. A lot of them don't. Um, so that's the number one thing. The people who book are the people who go to the auditions because if you don't go, there's 0% chance you're going to book it. Um, other than that, though, it's about comfortability. It's kind of like people who do their own thing and don't worry about who am I competing with, how can I up the next person, and you just are really yourself. Those are the ones that I've always seen booked most. Like we represent a lot of stand-up comedians, and it's very similar to that where it's like this is me, take it or leave it. Because some jobs are going to want you because that's you. And they're hiring you for you. Because commercial, there's not too much acting anymore. It's more like everything's turned to the the real side of things. So they want the real mom. You know, they want the real stand-up comedian. They want the real guy who can juggle. So it's things like that and just figure out what you are and really market that to, you know, the casting director. So if you're quirky, be quirky. You know, if you're a model, be a model. If you're funny, be funny. If you're not, don't be. You know, that, so when people kind of hone in on their skills, that's when they start booking, when they're really comfortable. Improv is a good thing to get into, though, because that'll get you in the door. Um, it'll help you as well in the audition because you'll be more comfortable just because of the experience that you've had. But more so, Cassie wants to see it, to see that you've put in that time and got that um, experience on your resume. So that more so will get you in the door, but it'll also help you in the room. So I definitely recommend that sometimes over most commercial classes in LA, I would recommend improv. Would you recommend any specific classes or like Groundlings or UCB? Does it matter? I would try and do one of those because those are the two majors. You, any improv helps for the most part because, again, you're going to be more comfortable. But if you're looking to actually take ones that are going to help you, take UCB or Groundlings. They're both a little different. And then make sure to keep whoever you're working with, your, your representation up to date. Because when we tell casting you do UCB, okay, everyone's taken 101, you know? Yeah. So it's like, but if you get to 401, you're completed, you're on a troop or a team, that's a huge difference, you know? So just let us know because the first thing we say is they have great improv. They say, okay, what does that mean? And then we say, you know, they've taken 401 and completed it. And then they're like, oh, okay. So that's kind of impressive. Do you think acting in commercials can progress um, an actor's theatrical career or is it quite the opposite? I personally think that everything goes up together. So if you do commercials, I mean, you and theatrical and voiceover and whatever else you're doing, Instagram, it all goes up together. Uh, we've had quite a few series regulars that actually started with commercials. And then the thing is what it does is first it gives you the experience to be on set, be comfortable because it's, you know, it's a different thing. A lot of people think you get on and it's crazy. It's like a commercial, you sit there and you look at the camera 50 times and, you know, smile in a different way. So just being on that, being around, it's helpful. Also, a lot of thing about commercials is there's a lot of big directors who are starting to kind of just dip their toes and do commercials. So we've had them jump in there, do a commercial, remember them and bring them back in for a series regular you know, like audition just because they're like, I loved working with them. So I think it can only help just getting yourself out there more. You mentioned Instagram. Mm -hmm. What should actors do on social media? So the branding world is kind of like the Wild West right now. It's very new. It's unregulated. Um, so I first worry about getting your your followers up. And I am not a specialty, you know, a, 
I don't specialize in that side of things, uh, but anything you have helps. And also you, you got to look at it depending. It, usually it's over like 50,000 that really um, advertisers start to pay attention to. But also you don't want to bring it up if it's not appropriate. If they're hiring a spokesperson, they don't want to hire someone at scale that's going to outshine whoever they just paid millions of dollars to. You know, so you kind of got to know when they're looking for Instagram influencers, then that's when you sell it. When If they're not, then it's not, it's not always relevant. Well, let's talk about what actually happens in the commercial edition. Um, what does it look like? Is there a script? Um, who's typically in the room with the actor? So most of the time, well, actually not most of the time. Some of the time you'll go in there, there will be no script. You'll walk in, you'll be like, They'll say Slate, you say Blake Viglione, Aqua Talent, headshot side, headshot side, and then you look at the camera and that's that. And it'll take like five seconds and people are like, I don't know what I did, you know? And those are the ones that are kind of looking for a look. Other ones, if they're looking for huge improv, uh, they're, they're looking for someone that's great with dialogue, they'll usually give you, you know, something there or they'll let you bounce, you know, off your coworkers. Uh, and it, it can, you know, it can last five seconds. It can last 30 minutes. Most of the time, it's going to be you and the cameraman, sometimes the casting director. Uh, other times, if it's a callback, it's going to be, you know, the client will be there at times to kind of give you direction. Sometimes the director will be there. It's going to be different every time. Uh, you just kind of got to have fun with it and be loose. What's the secret um, for getting callbacks? I wish I knew. If I knew, I'd be an actor. Um, Everyone has their own thing, you know. It's it's almost like a trick being in there. Some I we've had clients before who would do a backflip to end their audition because they were like a stunt guy, and it worked for them. They'd get callbacks every time, but um, there's not really a trick, you know, anything specific for any certain person. It's just once you start getting callbacks, you feel more comfortable, and then when you feel more comfortable, you perform better. So then people notice that and then you get more callbacks and it's a very, you know, the more you do, the better you do, the more you'll get called back, the more you'll get availed, the more you book. Okay. What is this avail thing that I've just heard? Yeah. So the whole process, I'll give you a quick rundown. So audition, that's when we get you. And then from there, they bring in anywhere from 50 to 150 people. They narrow it down to the callbacks. So the second audition, that one, they, I would say they usually bring in about Anywhere from, if it's very small, five, it can go up to 50 people. And then after that, they really narrow it down to anywhere from one to five people. And they reach out to the agents and they say, hey, your client's on a veil. We're just double checking. They're good for every day. So if it does come to a booking, there's not an issue, which there can be. Um, and then it comes after that, the next step is the booking. They usually book one person per role out of those one to five people. But they usually have a backup just in case because they don't want to go to book because commercials work quick. Sometimes you have one week to cast, book, and shoot. So if they don't have a backup and someone falls out because they have a theatrical gig, it's a disaster. So they always have you know someone ready to take their place. How often does it happen? That there's a conflict like that? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've had it happen quite a few times because... At the end of the day, the actors, you know, they want to work. So if they're doing the theatrical thing at the same time as the commercial, they're going to conflict at times. So, I mean, I would say, I mean, for us, it probably happens once every week or a couple of weeks. It's frustrating on all sides, but it's necessary. If you're lucky to book a role, um, how long do commercial shoots actually take? So 
for the most part, they sh- they shoot in one day. If they're in LA, you're it's not that likely that you're going to co- get a call back for multiple days. They're pretty quick. The days can be long, however. And I mean, sometimes I've had people 30 minutes and they're in and out. Other people, it's taken 16 hours. They get paid overtime. Uh, if it travels, it's usually about a travel day there, one or two shoot days, travel day back. So it's very quick. You know, not not more than I would say. The whole process of auditioning, callback, shoot is no more than usually two weeks. We talked about Instagram and digital influencers, and I'm just curious. I've got this hypothetical scenario. Uh, what would happen? Um, so let's say an actor features in a commercial of brand A. The commercial airs nationwide, and then she or he on their social media do something that promotes brand B, which competes with brand A. Uh, is there like uh, something in the contract that they're not supposed to do that? Uh, yeah. Can they get into trouble? So I would always advise against it. Uh, it's not really worth it just because of the blowback they could do. Um, but always check with your agent before you do that because we read the contracts so we'll know. There's a difference. Some some commercials will hold exclusivity, which means they can't do a competitor's product, whether it's a commercial or whether it's Instagram or anything. They really just can't uh, work in that capacity with the other competitor. Uh, but I, yeah, I, it's almost never worth it. So I would just say stay out of that realm and stick with one brand at a time unless you know 100% that you're free to do it. Again, your agent should know. So reach out to your agent and make sure before you do anything crazy. Also, when you're, uh, you know, when you're shooting a job, I always tell people do not post anything anywhere at all until after you physically yourself see the commercial airing because there's a lot of uh, NDAs out there that's not going to allow you to do it. And if you do, they can take all the money that you made. So just, it's not worth bragging to your friends that you booked a Pepsi commercial. Just wait till it comes out and then you can tell anyone you want, so. Okay, so let's talk about actors who want to do uh, commercial acting. How does an aspiring actor who's just starting out in, in LA, um, how does that actor get a commercial agent? Um, do actors approach commercial agents? Do commercial agents go and scout for, for actors? How does it work? So first, I recommend asking your friends. If you're an actor in L.A., you probably have friends who are actors in L.A. Ask what they've done because the best way to figure out the best route for you is by learning from their mistakes. And then from there, um, figure out, you know, do your research. Who's a good agency? Who's not? Uh, who's good more so for your level? If you go to, straight to a major agency and you have no experience, it's going to be a tough road because you're going to be competing against their top, you know, men and women. So it's just you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. You got to take your time getting the right representation for the right, you know, jobs for you. Uh, there's also other ways you can do showcases. Again, you're going to have to ask around which ones are best for you. Uh, we still go to showcases sometimes to find new clients. Most of our clients are referral-based. So if you have a good friend that you really trust and they trust you, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask for a referral. If an agency can't use you, they're not going to you know, set you up for a meeting. At least we don't because we don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, and then from there, again, back to what I said earlier is learn how to market yourself. If you're quirky... You know, be quirky because there's agencies who need quirky actors. You know, if you're a model, be a model. There's agencies that need that too. Um, yeah, but the biggest thing is just 
take your time and figure it out because there's so many agencies out there. Don't rush into it and jump into it just because it's the first one you get. I just find the right spot for you. So when you're looking at signing up a new actor at Aqua, um, is it looks, experience, skills, dedication, so they show up to auditions, if you yeah. can test for that, social media following? Does it actually matter um, how much branding they've done? Do they have a website? The biggest thing with us is going to be, first off, availability. If you're not available for auditions, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to book anything. So availability is huge. Another thing is more personal is our roster. What does our roster current look like? If I'm lacking in, you know, older um, actors over 45, that's what I'm going to be more focused on because everyone has to kind of have a per capita of the different uh, the different categories that we represent because if a whole breakdown comes out where they're looking for like East Indian and we don't have any East Indian clients, that's what we need because we're not going to book that job. So it more so depends on what you know niche we need to fill. And then as far as their website, uh, that's helpful. I would always recommend setting up an LA casting and a casting frontier account. Uh, that's what I always look at because I want to know if you've already used those sites. If you haven't, that means you're pretty new to the system because everyone has to have one of those or each of those uh, and then make sure you have good pictures make sure you're doing everything right if you have decent pictures too i recommend waiting until you work with an agency every agency is different so when you go in there they're either going to be fine with your pictures or you're going to have to completely reshoot and if you just spend a thousand dollars on pictures and they're wrong um, unfortunately you're going to have to do that if they're going to be able to do the job for you but again every agency is different so you got to make sure you're all on the same page. Otherwise, it's not going to work for anyone. Um, is there a difference between theatrical headshots um, and commercial headshots? Yes, um, to an extent. So they're less gritty. You know, you're never going to play commercially. You're never going to play a drug dealer. You know, you're never going to play a prostitute. You're never going to play anything like that that you're going to see on HBO shows. It's just it just doesn't happen commercially. So everything needs to be more friendly. You need to be smiling, needs to be brighter, you know, needs almost not to the point where it's cheesy, no like funny faces, crazy hats, you know, weird props, anything like that. But to get you in the character, you need different outfits. If you're wearing a very casual plaid shirt, you're gonna play the Midwest mom. You're not gonna play the lawyer. But if you can play the lawyer, get a picture of you in a business suit, but more serious. You know, if you're going to play the quirky girlfriend, maybe do something a little different, like a brighter shirt with like glasses, something like that. Yeah, I want to talk about those glasses. Yeah. Every single commercial headshot that I have seen, people wear these oversized and either black rimmed or red rimmed glasses. Yeah. What's, what's with that? So we don't always recommend the crazy over the top glasses, but the reason for it is it just gives you one extra look. It, you know, so if you're wearing a... I don't know, a, a blue or white button up, you might look like the Best Buy employee. But if then if you put on glasses, you're going to look like the Silicon Valley, you know, tech girl. So it's just that little differentiation that makes it helpful for you to stand out to casting. Because when they're looking at a breakdown and they're getting 10,000 submissions, 5,000 submissions, it's just face after face after face after face. And they're going to bring in their favorites or people they know. If they're going to take a chance on a new actor or someone they don't know, you have to look the part. So if you, you know, look a little more cool and edgy and they're actually looking for, you know, the the tech guy in the office, 
they're not going to call you in. But if you have that glasses and you kind of have a little more meek look where you're smarter, they're going to you know maybe take a chance on you, especially if your agency pitches and we call over and we send you the send them the wrong picture because we don't have the one where you fit the bill. They're just going to say no. So it's that little differentiation that helps us get them in the door. You have mentioned thousands of submissions. Um, So how many submissions do these casting directors actually get? So I can't say for sure because I'm not a casting director, but what I've heard and from experience, I mean, they're getting on smaller jobs, probably like a thousand per role. They can get up to five, probably 10,000 submissions per role if it's just like a general, you know, male, 25 to 50. So... That's another thing where it's anything that sets you apart, we need a picture to represent that because pictures commercially are the most important thing because they don't have time to look at reels for the most part unless it's a very special skill uh, just because they're getting you know, inundated by submissions. So it can, it can really get up there. If an actor doesn't have an agent um, and they want to submit through, let's say, LA Casting or Casting Frontier, do you think they stand any chance of uh, booking a gig or getting an audition? Yeah, you definitely can. Uh, The issue is self-submitting without an agent. Uh, The casting directors will send it out to all the agencies for the most part first. So that we they kind of get the pick of the litter from our clients who are, you know, obviously established enough to have agents. And then from there, if they don't find what they're looking for, or it's a very, very specialized role, like looking for like real families who come from Puerto Rico and live in the U.S., something like that, they might send it out to the public just so they can get more options. Um, So that's kind of why it's tough without an agent, because you're kind of getting the low-hanging apples. Uh, And then also, I did want to touch back on what I was talking about for the 10,000 submissions, a good way to figure out a niche that you fit is taking from the 10,000 male 25 to 35, and then you play guitar. That takes you down to 500 people. And then you're also, you have the background where you're from Indiana. You know, that takes you down to like 50 to 100 people. So you're gonna be a lot more likely to get that audition because just because the numbers, and then you're gonna book because you know, you might be better than the other people. So you kind of got to figure out at first what's special about you. Even if you think there's nothing, nothing is, there is, you know, whether it's you worked at a telecommunications company before, whether you lived in an obscure location, anything helps because there's breakdowns for everything, you know, so kind of figure out what sets you apart from the 10,000 and let your agent know that. So when that breakdown comes down, that's what's the most important to get you in for. And then you get the momentum building and then that's where you, you know, really start to make the relationships in casting that you need to become their favorite and get on their call sheet. I'm guessing that it would help, for instance, you've got special skills, that's one thing. You're a real mom and you've got a kid who also can act. Um, what about pets? Pets, yeah. They're, they're looking more and more, I mean, real families for sure. Uh, real pet owners, real dog walkers. Because sometimes they do like a commercial where it'll be a funny guy walking like seven dogs around his belt. For that role, they need someone who's very comfortable with dogs, doesn't have allergies, probably has trained dogs or something of like that since you'll be working with so many, even though they'll have a dog trainer on set. But yeah, something like that's really helpful. So I always recommend, as cheesy as it is, have a picture with your dog. You know, if you have a real family, have a picture with your real family. Even if you have a fake family to audition with, have that picture. So Because, you know, we can say you have a family, 
But if they just look at your face, they're like, okay, maybe, but what does the family look like? Because they're looking for a certain demographic. So then I have a picture of it. And it's helpful for all of us. The um, final piece of advice that you could give to all the actors out there who are trying to break into commercial acting. Have fun. Again, just be yourself. A lot of people, the kiss of death is overthinking it. It's very simple. If you realize and remember it's a commercial, <laughs> like it makes it 10 times easier because you just go in there. At the end of the day, if you have the look they're going for, the specific skill you're going for, and so do 5,000 other people, but if they like you and they can sit on set with you for 12 hours, that's going to be just as important between you and the other guy. You know, being able to just get along, have fun, this guy's cool, whatever. You know, it's like just little things like that. Don't try to change who you are for a five-second spot. So that's my advice. Just have fun with it. Take your time, too. Don't think you're too good and you can only go for nationals when you've never even gone out for a commercial. It's just, it's not realistic. So it's like kind of know what level you need to do to build that momentum and do that. And that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at LA is good for you. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinante Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low-budget recording and sound editing needs. 